Every morning I pray a prayer of commitment. I, it's a prayer of I will, I will, I will. I say today I will uh, be devoted to prayer. Today I'll read your word. Today I'll love my wife. And one of them is today I will not get angry, ir- not even a little bit irritated, no matter what happens. Uh, and But I have to struggle with it when uh, the uh, mic goes over time and cuts into my class. I remember my commitment. I will not get even a little bit irritated. Uh, so, uh, you know, I thought about coming in, just getting the microphone that they would have and say, service is over, everybody leave now, <laughs> just to see what happened. Anyway, I probably won't do that. So I'll just talk fast. We'll get everything covered this morning. Angels and Demons, part six, winning the war. So we are in a war uh, with demons. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun war if you know how to fight it. And it's an easy war to win if you know how to win it. And so we're going to talk about that this week and next week. Uh, the key to uh, stomping the devil and winning uh, in any fight or war against the darkness. So in your notes, number one, God in his sovereignty is always working in the circumstances of our life to make us like himself in character. So I rarely ever preach a sermon, teach a class that I don't say that. Um, God is always working on our character, making us like Jesus in character. That's the purpose of life, to make us like Jesus. Everything God does, he does to make us like Jesus in character. Romans 8, 28 through 29, we know, we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. I hear people quote that all the time, and it's obvious the way they're saying it that they are meaning good to be comfortable, no problems, uh, easy. That's what they mean by good. That's not what God means by good. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Conformed to the image of his son. Conformed to the image of his son. You ought to say that a hundred times a day. Conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the oldest of all the kids that will be in heaven with him. But we are like him in character. And because we are like him in character, we will enjoy him when we get there. Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather... Not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live. They disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. There's that word good again. That we may share his holiness. That we may share his holiness. That is, we will be like Jesus in character. Everything he does, he does to make us like Jesus in character. James 1.3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance... Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect. Perfect, that you may be perfect. That doesn't mean sinless. That means grown up like Jesus in character. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what we want to have happen in our life before we step into glory. To be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, like Jesus in character in every way. Isaiah 64, 8, but now, O Lord, you are our Father, we're the clay, you are our potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. Number two, godly character is not something that God creates in a moment of time, but nurtures over time. Our entire life, God is shaping us, molding us as a potter with clay, making us into the image of Jesus. 
Some of us at the speed we're growing need a couple hundred more years if we're going to become like Jesus. So we need to sort of ramp things up. And God does everything, everything that he can do to make us like Jesus in the time that we have. But we have to cooperate with the process. If we don't, then we won't grow. And in fact, if we don't, if we do what, if the wrong choices, we'll actually go backwards. <clears throat> Number three, our part in God's plan of making us like Jesus is the choices, the choices that we make. God is sovereign. He gives us the freedom to choose. He gives us the freedom to choose how we talk, how we act, the priorities of our life. And so we're cooperating with what he's doing. He is doing everything possible from his side, from his perspective, to make us like Jesus. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But we have to cooperate with the process. Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, Joshua is saying... As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A choice. We make choices all day long, every day. First Kings eighteen twenty one. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Number four, God created the environment and the world perfect for growing human character. This world we live in, the events that occur, the circumstances, the weather, the politics, everything is perfect from God's perspective for growing the character of Jesus. We may not like it because we're thinking in different terms than God does. We're thinking like earth is supposed to be heaven. Earth isn't supposed to be heaven. We don't get to heaven until we get to heaven. In the meantime, we're growing to be like Jesus. And so earth will be anything but heaven. So that we grow, so that we grow. And everything God does is perfect to create the growth of Christ in us. Genesis one thirty one. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Number five, one of the ingredients that God had included in his plan to make us like himself is war and conflict. War and conflict is part of God's plan for my life. Part of God's plan for your life to make us like Jesus in character is conflict and war. So you wondered, why is it that you can't get along with your (laughs) mother-in-law? War and conflict or whoever it may be in your life. Judges 3.2, only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war. Might be taught war. This is from God's perspective. Those who had not experienced it formally. Uh, in my parenting counseling and teaching that I do, one of the things that I teach is that sports are a great tool for parenting if you use them right. Now, if you're hands off, just let them go do what they want, you'll probably be counterproductive to character development, but you're actively involved in what they're going through, then it can be incredibly powerful as a tool to help your kids grow in character because conflict, competition, uh, the struggle to win, dealing with losing, all of that is part of God's plan for making us like him in character. And often God will create those events for us in which we're involved in a contest, as it were, uh, attempting to win, but sometimes losing, 
But you've heard the, the, the term, the effort to win. It's a key part of character development in our life. Um, Matthew 10, 34, do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus speaking, but a sword. Psalms 144, verse 1, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Psalms 18, 34, he trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I'm an archery hunter, so I love that verse. Bend a bow of bronze. Ah, cool. 100-pound bow, huh? (laughs) Number six, the war that changes us most is invisible. The adversary that we have in this invisible war is the devil and his demons. And so you've heard me say this before. the, The devil was not an oops. God not wringing his hand saying, oh, darn, devil messed it all up. Now I've got to make some changes and fix some things. God created an environment in which we grow to the max to be like Jesus Christ. A key part of life is the conflict that we have with the devil and the kingdom of darkness. All by God's design, God's plan. So that we would become like him in character. But if we lose <laughs> the war, it's, you know, there's casualties Obviously, it's one of the risks that God takes. First Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, your adversary, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. My adversary, Psalms 3, 1, oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. My adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. So, uh, let me uh, share something. I've, I've shared this, oh, I don't know, 10,000 times in my teaching, preaching ministry, but it always seems like new stuff for some when I share it again the second time. Psalms as a book, 150 chapters, is a book not only of songs and poems that David and others wrote, but it is also a book of prophecy concerning the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Jesus uh, is prophesied it in the book of Psalms. His very words, his emotions, his prayers to God. Now some of them are obvious. You'll catch them right off the bat when you read it. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They cast lots for my clothes. They pierce my hands, my feet. And so Psalms 22 is, there it is right there. But if you're looking for all the Psalms, um, a prophecy of Jesus and his life, Now, when you read the Psalms, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in Psalms about our enemy, because David was always fighting somebody, and the other writers as well. And so when Jesus was on the planet, walking around as a man, doing ministry, his adversary was the devil and the demons who were working on him constantly to get him to sin, so that he would not be able to be our substitute for our sin. We, we read about the temptation of Jesus in the, in the wilderness, but it was an all-the-time constant battle that he fought against this kingdom of darkness. And so you read about it in the Psalms, all these statements about enemies. But you can take those very same Psalms and apply them to you, to your life. One of the things I did, I took the Lord's Prayer uh, that he said, pray this, pray like this. And it's sort of an outline, as it were. And one of the sections in the Lord's Prayer is deliver us from Evil, or the right way probably is the evil one. It's a proper, uh, it's an article, uh, like a the in front of evil. Deliver us from the evil or the evil one. And so that was one of Jesus' prayers that he said, 
pray this. And so what I did is I went back through the Psalms and I colored every verse in the Psalms a different color uh, of verses that were praise and thanksgiving and worship. I colored uh, blue. And everyone has a color. And anything that had to do with warfare, I colored red. And so I can read through the Psalms and flip through it and just read the red verses. And all of them are prayers for strength against the enemy uh, that Jesus prayed as he lived his life. Now, if Jesus prayed them as he lived his life, I can pray them as I live my life. And then they become warfare prayers uh, on behalf of my struggle against the kingdom of darkness, even as Jesus did. And so Psalms 3, 1, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Can you sort of visualize Jesus praying that prayer? Psalm 6, 6 through 7, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries, because of my adversaries. Psalms 13, 4, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. Psalm 17, 9, the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed their unfeeling heart with their mouth. They speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes to cast us down to the ground. He is like a lion that is eager to tear as a young lion lurking in hiding places. And so as you read Psalms, you'll see some animals uh, that are referring to demons. Obviously the lion uh, that's used in the New Testament. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And Psalms 22, the picture of Jesus on the cross. They pierce my hands, my feet. They, they mock me. They make fun of me. And it says that it's circling around him were bulls and dogs uh, ridiculing, humiliating him as he hung on the cross. Those are images or pictures of demons. Uh, there's a lot of demons probably and every one, every single demon was there the day that Jesus died on the cross, circling the cross, mocking Jesus. Uh, do you ever wonder why it got dark while Jesus was on the cross? Demons are invisible, but you get enough of them stacked up and they'll keep the light from coming through. And it got dark. All the demons, everyone was circling around Jesus on the cross, mocking him. Ah, you wimp. Here you are. You think you're God. You're getting killed on the cross. And so they thought they had won. Uh, Psalms 25, 19. Look upon my enemies. They are many. They hate me with a violent hatred. Psalms 38, 19. But my enemies are vigorous and strong. Many are those who hate me. Psalms 44, 15. All day long my dishonor is before me. My humiliation has overwhelmed me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. So one of the goals of the demons and Satan in our life is to humiliate us, to make us feel like dirt, to make us feel like losers, to make us feel like we can't do anything, make us feel like God can't love us. And so they will bring up the past over and over and over. I heard somebody tell me one time, you know, I sinned when I was 12 years old of really bad sin, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. I said, you're getting some help on that one. You're getting some help on that one. Uh, 
Satan wants to bring up all your past, all your failures, all your weaknesses, all your character. He wants to remind you of that over and over and over. What do you think those demons were doing when they were flying around Jesus on the cross? They weren't saying, wow, you're a tough dude. No, no, they were saying, you loser. You loser. They were humiliating him, and they do that to you. My humiliation has overwhelmed me because of the voice, the voice that is they talk to us, these demons. We hear them in our thoughts. The voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the presence of the enemy. Psalms 55, 3, because of the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy. That's how they work in us. They talk to us. We hear them in our thoughts. Because of the pressure of the wicked, they bring down trouble upon me. In anger, they bear a grudge against me. <clears throat> Psalm 69, 2, I have sunk in deep mire and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood overflows me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. So some of us, we're okay. (laughs) Others of you, you got quite a bit more opposition. The hairs of my head. Uh, Those who would destroy me are powerful. Psalm 71.10, my enemies have spoken against me. Those who watch for my life have consulted together. Psalms 143.3, the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. That's what the devil and his demons are wanting to do to you and me. That's what they did to Jesus as he lived his life. They were concentrated on him as the Son of God. Number seven, one of the sad and inevitable facts of war is that there are casualties. So if you're keeping up on the stuff going on in the Middle East, the thing that uh, uh, some politicians and others get to fussing about are the casualties of war. Uh, Civilian casualties, that's the big deal. And so Hamas is using civilians... Uh, as a shield so that they can have as many civilian casualties as possible so they can find favor in the world, the UN, the US, etc., etc., etc. And so there is the work at preventing that, but casualties are a result of war. That's just the way it is. First um, Timothy 4.1, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Paying attention. That is that these words that they hear, they follow after them and they become deceived and they fall away. as a casualty as it were. 2 Corinthians 11.3 I'm afraid, Paul speaking, that as the serpent, the serpent, the devil deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so there will be casualties, and as we get closer to the end, the casualty numbers will increase. And so what you need to think in your own mind uh, this morning is, I'll not be one. I'll not be one. I'll not be a casualty. And I'll keep my eyes out for others so that they're not casualties either. Number eight, for some, the perfect environment for character growth produces much growth because of the good choices that they make. So God controlling the environment to produce rapid growth towards Christ-like character. And for many of you, that's happening. 
You're growing rapidly to be like Jesus in character. And the day you step into heaven, you will be like him in character. And he will enjoy you. And you will enjoy him forever because you like each other. Because you cooperated with the process well in this life. And grew uh, according to the plan of God. Revelations 3.12. There's seven churches written to in Revelations 2 and 3. And the, and the blessing that goes to every church is to those who overcome. O- overcome. That's those who win the war. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God. What does that mean? That means you're one of God's favorites. One of God's favorites. That's only to overcomers. I've had people read that and say, look what happens to Christians. No, 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 no. That's not what happens to Christians. It's only what happens to some Christians who are overcomers. They fought well. They won. They were victorious. They were overcomers. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name and my new name. Jesus says, my new name, whatever that is, that'll be written. You'll be one of my favorites because you're like me in character. And I will enjoy you and you will enjoy me because you grew in this life. Number nine, for others, the difficulty of the perfect environment results in poor choices resulting in shipwreck. So God produces the environments. He produces everything that's needed for rapid growth. But for some, that perfect environment uh, creates shipwreck because it's not easy. It's sort of like kids going out for football. Some quit. It's too hard 1 Timothy 1.18, this commandment I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. You fight the good fight, keep faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Some, they don't do so well. Number 10, understanding the purpose of God's holy war is foundational to winning. You ever read the book of Job? So what was the key question that Job asked over and over and over again? Why? Why? You ever ask that question? Life has fallen apart and you're saying, Lord, why? Why me? Why now? What sin did I commit? Understand the purpose of life, then you'll know the answer to the question. See, the principle is God will give as much hard stuff as you can manage because the harder life is, the faster you grow. The harder life is, the faster you grow. The more intense the battle, the faster you grow if you manage it right. If you manage it right. If you don't, it'll create shipwreck. And if you're a whiner and a crier, Oh, man, God's got to let up on the throttle, as it were, and kind of give you an easy life, and you're going to grow just a little bit. Now, you don't want to step into heaven and be a baby. You don't want to step into baby in heaven and be a third grader. You want to step into heaven and be like Jesus in character, and he will provide everything needed to do that, but we have to cooperate with the process if that's going to happen. 11, imagine this study, this particular one you're in now, 
as a spiritual boot camp as we learn how to stomp the devil together. So I stomp him under my feet every day. I win every day. Now winning doesn't mean comfortable. Winning doesn't mean easy. Winning means he hasn't got me to go backwards. I resist the devil and he flees from me. I stomp him under my feet and I grow as a result of the combat that comes into my life. Zechariah 10.5 They will be as mighty men as mighty men treading down the enemy in the mire of the streets in battle. They will fight for the Lord will be with them. That's a great verse. Mighty men and mighty ladies. Psalm 60 verse 12 Through God we shall do valiantly and it is he who will tread down our adversaries. Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's New Testament, Romans. God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Number 12, JBC will be God's army winning and growing together. So one of the principles, and we'll get into this more, is you don't win the battle against the kingdom of darkness by yourself on your own. You only do it when you're part of a unified army fighting against the kingdom of darkness. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. This is Paul just probably days before he's martyred. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And that's his way of saying, I finished. I won. 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. As you can say with the Apostle Paul, I finished the race. I won. First Chronicles 12, 22. The day, for day by day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army like the army of God. Great army like the army of God. That's JBC. The great army, the army of God. 1 Chronicles 12, 8, There came over to David in the stronghold in the wilderness mighty men of valor, men trained for war, men trained for war who could handle shield and spear and whose faces were like the faces of lions. <laughs> Who's that? We can give some people in our church the title, uh, you have a face like a lion. Uh, they were as swift as the gazelles in the mountains. They were mighty warriors. They could fight and they could win. Ephesians 6. Now we're shifting to New Testament. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, that's Satan and his demons, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what our struggle is against. That's what our war is against. And by the way, I've told you this before, that whole thing is all plural. All the admonitions are plural, not singular. We're to do it together as the church. Thirteen, every lost person is owned by and controlled by the devil and his demons. They are his property. He has his name written on them. So before I became a Christian, I belonged to the devil. You did as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whose case the God of this world, speaking of the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Ever wonder sometimes why people are so resistant to the gospel? 
It doesn't make sense to them because they can't get it. He blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. It makes no sense to them. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according, according, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to, that is by his dictates, he was in control of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. The spirit is now working in the sons of dis- every lost person. Satan owns them, controls them. 2 Timothy 2.26, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Having been held captive by him to do his will. That's where you once were as an unbeliever. Held captive by the devil to do his will rather than God's. Now we're no longer there. We're free, but often we're tempted and end up living uh, and making choices that we ought not to make. 2 Timothy 2.26, that they may come... Oh, I read that one to you. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are of God. That's us. We are of God. That the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You wonder, as you read things about politics, ah, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Wonder about what's happening in the Middle East? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Number 14, when we believe the gospel and we're adopted into God's family, forgiven of all our sins, given the free gift of eternal life in heaven, we were also set free from the control of Satan and his kingdom of darkness. We were set free from Satan and the kingdom of darkness, but they can still tempt and still influence if we let them, but they don't have the control that they do over lost people. Uh, we only do what he tempts us to do because we choose to do, not because we have to do. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins, Jesus, he gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. He might rescue us from this present evil age. Colossians 1.13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. That's the lost world. Open their eyes that they might turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. me. Hebrews 2, 14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise, also partook of the same. He became like us in every way. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He might render powerless. So the devil and his demons have no power over me other than what I give them by choosing to believe what I hear and acting in accordance with it. Matthew 4, 3, the tempter came and said to him, said to Jesus, that's how he tempted Jesus, he talked to him. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, Paul speaking, I sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you. Our labor would be in vain. 2 Corinthians eleven three. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, and your minds, your minds, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. 16, as believers in Jesus, we now have the potential to overcome and defeat the devil, his demons, every day, all the time. He is a defeated enemy. Jesus defeated him. 
He has no power or control over us other than his talking to us and our inability to discern that that's him tempting and then we follow and make dumb choices with our life. We have the potential now to overcome and defeat the devil and his demons every day, all the time. Ephesians 6.10 again, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our struggle in life is against these demons that want to get us to sin. Now here's a cool verse. 1 John 2, 13 through 14. I am writing to you fathers. The term fathers doesn't mean old uh, in life. It's talking about mature as a Christian. Those have been Christians for a while. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. You have a good knowledge, a, a relationship uh, with Jesus. You're grown up. You, 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 you walk with him. I, I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Overcome, that's past tense. I'm writing to you, young men, you've overcome the evil one. I'm writing, I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You have overcome the evil one. I can do that, you can as well. James 4, 7, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So I'm going to start here this morning with how do we overcome the evil one, and next week we'll get into that in great detail. And so I'm getting close to running out of time, so I'm going to talk relatively fast. You're thinking, you do already talk fast. I'm going to talk a little faster. I'm only in second gear now. Okay, I'm going to shift it into third in order to get things covered. The first commandment given to us in order for us to win the fight and be overcomers, be strong. That's the command given to us. Did you know that the command, be strong, just as a command, is given in the Bible over 50 times? Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. What's that mean? That's a command that means we can do something in obedience to the command. Be strong. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Ephesians 6.10 again. Finally, be strong. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. 18, the first step to being given God's strength is to ask for it. Ask for it. So you've heard me say this uh, 20,000 times. I don't know how many, a lot. So you probably know the answer, but just to see if you've got it. What is the most often prayed prayer request in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation? You take a blue crayon and every prayer that's prayed, you highlight it in blue. And then when you're all done, you go back and you count. Okay, you prayed for that, you prayed for that. You prayed. Which prayer request is prayed more times than any other request in the Bible? In fact, this prayer request, number one, is prayed as much as number two and number three put together. What is it? Give me strength. Give me strength. Most often prayed request in the Bible. Give me strength. If that's the most often prayed request in the Bible, why did God put that in the Bible? Because he wants me, you, us to pray for strength. How much strength does God give me when I ask? You know the answer to this. Much prayer, much blessing, little prayer, little blessing, no prayer, no blessing. 
All depends. Ask once, you get a little. Ask a lot, you get a lot. How often should you ask? All day long, whenever you feel a pressure, whenever you get tempted, whenever you get confused, whenever you're just a little bit out of sorts. Lord, would you give me your strength? He loves to give his strength to those who depend on him, who ask for it. He loves to give his strength. But we forget. And we don't ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask a bunch. The more you ask, the more you receive. <clears throat> Psalms ten seventeen. O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. You've heard the desire of the humble. That is, I can't do it without you, Lord. Grant me your strength. Psalms eighteen thirty seven. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You, God, have girded me strength with, for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me. I destroyed those who hated me. The reason is because I asked God for strength and he gave it to me. Psalms 31, to incline your ear to me. This is a prayer. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Beat to me a rock of strength. A stronghold to save me. You are my rock, my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. You are my strength. Psalms 138, verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Psalms 34, 4. I sought the Lord. He answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Isaiah 41, 1 to 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so I've memorized a bunch of those psalms, and I quote them during the day when I feel wimpy. My favorite one is in Psalms um, 18, 31 through 34. I'll attempt to quote it. Who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except my God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hinds' feet. Sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Psalms 18, 31 through 34. Now, if that doesn't get you ramped up, nothing will. Uh, pray that prayer uh, back to God several times a day. Number 19, it probably would be a good idea to ask for his strength every day unless you think the devil will take a day off. In the morning when I say, Lord, today I will, I will, I will, I say, grant me your strength. Fill me with your spirit so that I can keep these commitments. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Psalms 105, verse 4, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually, all the time. Number 20, the second step to being given God's strength is to read the Bible every day. You knew that. Read the Bible every day. Somebody said to me once after a sermon similar to this, they said, Pastor, I've been praying for strength all the time, but I don't really feel very strong. My next question was to them, do you read the Bible every day? Well, no. Ah. So God has given you a significant source of strength. Read the Bible. Read the Bible every day. John 2, 13 again. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. 
I've written to you children because you know the Father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong. You're strong. And the word of God abides in you. You're strong. The word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. 21, the third step to become, uh, being given God's strength is to act strong. So the command, be strong, means don't act like a wimp. Uh, my dad used to say, don't act like a weenie. Be strong. Act strong. Number 22, acting strong is not pretending. It's choosing how we talk and how we act. It's choosing how we act, how we talk. Act like a winner. Talk like a winner. Don't let the devil's insulting you get to you where you start talking like a loser. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. For the Lord is your God who goes with you. He will not fail you. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear or be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. 23. Strong people don't grumble or complain about, but rejoice always. Wimpiest thing you can do is to say, Oh, it's so hard. Why me? And on it goes. Wimpiest thing you can do in all of life is talk like a loser. Losers complain and whine and fuss about circumstances in their life. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy, consider it all joy, all joy, all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Go through a tough time. Say, thank you, Jesus. You're making me like yourself in character. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things, all things, no exceptions, without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. Blameless and innocent means grown up, mature, like Jesus in character. Children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. 24. I can't control the way I feel. I can control the way I talk. can't control the way I feel. I can control the way I talk. If I talk like a strong person, pretty soon I will feel like a strong person. And then I will act like a strong person. So talk like a winner. Talk like a strong person. Talk like a child of God. Talk like someone who the Spirit of God indwells you. And then pretty soon you will feel that way. And then pretty soon you will act that way. Numbers 13.33, there, there also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. What is that? That's a whole bunch of wimps. Whining and crying. They became like grasshoppers in their own sight. 
First Chronicles 12, 8, there came over to David and the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor trained for war who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions. You know what that meant? That looked like strong guys. They looked like guys you didn't want to mess with. They just had this aura, this way of talking, acting, walking. They were warriors, and you knew it when you looked at them. You knew it when you heard them talk. 25, no one is strong by themselves. We are strong because of encouragement from others, because of our commitment to our church family, because of the strength of our relationship with others in our church family. This is incredibly important. So everything I've said up to this point is not true if number 25 is not true. So let me say that again. Everything I have said up to this point, point one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way through 24, none of that is true if 25 isn't true in your life. God didn't give you all that I've just given you so that you could be a lone ranger. 26 spiritual lone rangers are an easy mark for the devil and his demons. We live in a country that honors independence, self-sufficiency. I can do it by myself. Thank you very much. It doesn't work in the spiritual war that we're living in the middle of. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I need you, you need me, we need each other. Together we can stomp Satan under our feet. Together we can easily win. Together we can grow to be like Christ in character. 27, God gives strength, but he gives it to us through others. God gives strength, but he gives it to us through others. So listen and ask. When you ask God, Lord, would you give me strength? Listen to what he brings into your life because he's not going to dump it into your head. He's not going to screw off the top of your head like a salt shaker and pour it in. You say, Lord, grant me strength. He's going to give it to you, but he's going to give it to you through a person. And if you're not walking humbly, humility has more to do with our relationship with each other than it has to do with our relationship with God. It's easy to be humble to God. He's God. It's not so easy to be humble in my relationship with Raymond Freetag because, you know, he's not near as smart as I am and he's not even close to being as good looking as I am. Um, so humility in our walk in the church is critically important to our ability to defeat the evil one. And we will stomp him under our feet as we do it together. As we do it together. A number of years ago, I'll finish with this story. I got five minutes left here. A number, I've told you this one before, it's a good story. One of the, uh, Chris Elkins, who's on staff here, is our builder maintenance guy. Uh, It was back when we were building that first, uh, the DC building. It was just frames and plywood and stuff. And he comes into my office. It was really funny because he he sits down and he puts his uh, chin on his fist like this on my desk. And he looks at me and he says, I want to assure you, I'm not taking drugs. I'm, I'm not taking drugs. I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not on anything whatsoever. I'm kind of, what is he telling me this for? He said, I just saw a demon 
out in our D.C. building. I said, really? And so he describes him, sort of this black uh, cloud where it looks sort of like a person. What was he doing? He was just watching me. I said, well, let's go find a couple of other guys and we'll go out there and stomp him. I wasn't afraid of him, but I wasn't going out there by myself. So together, there's not a demon created that we can't handle easy, piece of cake. They're defeated. They've already been defeated. And uh, so, hmm, no big deal. We went out and found out that they'd been doing some uh, witches, I guess. I don't know. There was some stuff written on the floor with uh, a little fire built. It looked like there'd been some things. I got somebody that's sort of an expert to look at the things. He said, oh, yeah, you've been having some witches meet in here and cast curses on your building. I said, wow, that's cool. <laughs> that means that we're an enemy. And uh, did that worry me? No. There's not a demon around that can handle us. Not a whole army of demons that can handle us if we strive together. Because they're defeated. And we have the strength and power of God in our life. But sometimes our thoughts, you know, they talk to us, talk to us, and, and they'll tell you you're a loser, that you're a wimp, you can't do anything. They'll, they'll tell you things about other people, get you to gossiping and slandering and create division and strive. And you don't want to let that stuff work. And um, you believe the truth, you know the truth, you read the word, you memorize the word, you pray and ask God for strength and on we go. Uh, and we defeat the enemy, we stomp him under our feet and we rescue the perishing, the ones that are in his kingdom, the Satan's kingdom, kingdom of darkness. We rescue them so they become disciples of Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I love you. I love you. I lo- Thank you that I'm in your family. Thank you that I'm headed for heaven. Thank you that your spirit lives in me. I'm a child of God. Lord, thank you that um, I have, I've defeated the evil one because your word abides in me. Your word abides in me. And together we as the church can push back the gates of darkness. You've said that we have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What we bound will be bound. What we loose will be loosed. And I pray that you will continue to use each one of us as we pursue the character of Jesus in our life in the time we have left so that when we stand before you, we will present to you a heart of wisdom. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.